This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop list, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. When you are pioneering anything or introducing new ideas to the culture, you get criticized. You do? Yeah, <laughs> did you hear about that? <laughs> I didn't find the one. I found someone I respected and we made it the one. In a sort of longing kind of view of love, people understand each other as if by magic. Nothing in itself is addictive on the one hand. On the other hand, everything could be addictive if there's an emptiness in that person that needs to be filled. I now know that nobody changes until they change their energy. And when you change your energy, you change your life. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations, because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Here we go. Today, I was fortunate to sit down with Dr. Julius Few. He's a renowned plastic surgeon and a close friend of mine. Over the years, Julius and I have had many conversations around beauty, vitality, and finding the balance as we grow older. His subtle approach to aging astounds me. I have learned so much from him. Today, I got to ask him the big and small questions about aging, his philosophy on longevity, and the future of the facelift. We talked about recognizing our emotional states when we're thinking about cosmetic surgery, and Julia shared his honest advice about popular procedures and the new non-surgical advancements he's most excited about. I should also mention that we teamed up with Julius on our new Youth Boost Peptide Serum. It's an amazing collaboration, years in the making, and we couldn't be more proud. I'll let him tell you more about it. And finally, before we really get into it, I'm thrilled to share that the Goop podcast hit a major milestone this month. We surpassed 100 million total lifetime listens. I cannot believe it. So thank you to everyone listening today and who have followed along with us on this very special journey. Let's get to Dr. Julius Few. Thank you for joining us today. This is very exciting to have you on the Goop podcast. Thank you for having me. I feel like we have had and continue to have over the years so many conversations around beauty and longevity. And so I guess as I want to know from you more, like as a person first, what does longevity mean to you? Well, I, and you're right, we, for so many years now, we, we've had a chance to have these deep philosophical conversations about a lot of things, life and kind of inner peace versus outer 
kind of projection of appearance and so on. I, for me, longevity really boils down to really living our lives to the fullest potential, meaning that we are at a spiritual place of peace. We're at a place of peace with friends and family, that the work that we're putting into being healthy, we can see that translation and kind of our appearance, our body, not necessarily according to what a book says or what you or I say, but really what that individual feels is kind of their best kind of foot forward. And that's, that's really what longevity boils down to. I, like you have met, you know, many people who outwardly look perfect, everything in their world looks perfect. And then when you, you kind of start to peel it down, their, their inner reality is the exact opposite and they're trying to find something. So to me, I think there has to be that balance of, you know, as a person balance, living life to, to its fullest, its fullest balance. And, and that's where I think all these things come together. And do you bring that to the office? Like, I know you were, we were talking the other day and you were, you were talking about how being a plastic surgeon, it's, it's like being a, a priest or a therapist, like people come in and kind of confess uh-huh. everything to you as if it's part, you know, I was thinking after we spoke, like, the confession, it's almost like as if it's a part of what they're trying to change or become, mm-hmm. like in some way it's conflated, like it goes hand in hand. Do you, do you find that, that there's a, a an interweaving of the story? A hundred percent. And I think as I've gotten older and I've done this longer, it has been impossible to separate the the story that somebody has to tell with the journey that they're willing to take to, in the case for me, as a plastic surgeon, for them to look better. So Mm -hmm. a classic case in point, this was, I had a a very busy clinic yesterday and I saw somebody and she ultimately confided in me all these different things that were going on in her life and ultimately how she really wanted to do something just for herself. She said, look, I'm not trying to look better for anybody but me. I feel like I've given everything and I just want to get something for myself. And can you give me kind of your your perspective of what I may want to do to to look better and feel better? And in that case, and in all the cases that I, you know, who I encounter, these the people who I I ultimately, many of them I consider friends over time. I, I gave my honest advice that I would give to my own my own brother, which is, here's what you technically are asking for. Here's what I think, given all the things that you've shared with me, I think you can handle. Here's how we, let's try to reconcile or kind of come up with a compromise of balancing what your goal is. Because at the end of the day, you want, and in her case, she just wanted to feel a little refreshed. But she kind of came in based on things like, social media and et cetera. Okay. What about, what about this deep plane lift or what about this or what about that? And she was just rattling off all these things that she had heard about instead of just saying, okay, this is what I want to, to get to. This is my final, my final feeling that I want to get to. How can you, Dr. Few help me get there? And so I think too many times you have people who go in to see a doctor and they're saying, okay, I've read about this or heard about that, or this is what I want to do. 
and they don't take into account any of the other dynamics in their life. And ultimately, that sets the stage for for disappointment at the end of the day. And so for me, I, I, you know, I, I do feel and you've known me long enough to know this. I mean, I, I don't look at, at my work as just while well, I'm cutting on people, I look at it as, okay, I want, I get a, a significant amount of gratification matching up that inner kind of balance of wellness and what somebody's looking for relative to the change that I believe I can achieve. Mm-hmm. And, and also that the third dimension, which is the idea that I don't want to do anything that draws too much attention to the issue that they're after for people around them. And that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest things. That's the reason why I'm, I'm so against the idea of people be people being overdone because because ultimately that does the opposite it actually it creates more attention in a negative way yeah it's funny you know i have a couple of people that i know in my life that sort of had plastic surgery in response to either a breakup or infidelity and i i said you know i wish i wish the surgeons would say you know what come back to me in a year when you don't have a broken heart I, I think that would be sort of the more ethical thing to do because there there really are a lot of women who are making big choices about big surgeries coming from a place of 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 heartbreak or or weakness or you know deep distress. I ask the questions that I think most people would consider obvious. I do ask, which is and not as obvious from a doctor's perspective, but obvious as a person. I ask kind of why now, what is driving it? And the most common answer I get is, well, my, my life is calm enough that I can do, I want to do something or I have something I'm trying to build into. Like I, you know, there's a big wedding that I want to go to and I feel like I haven't taken care of myself or some of them, but it's not because like you said, it's a broken heart or they're dealing with something that that has destabilized their sense of balance. And if somebody has, like you described, a broken heart from from infidelity or broken relationship or the like, a change on the outside is not going to change that anyway. So they can do all these things and they're still, it's going to almost be a double hit because then they'll look and they'll say, I really don't feel any better. I've had all these changes, but I still don't feel any better. And so that confounds the level of, you know, despair. So... Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spot in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on The Goop List, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. 
I think what's so wonderful about you as a surgeon is that you are really taking the less is more approach always. And I love your philosophy around, you know, these kind of smaller things that you can do as we talk about the importance of keeping your skin healthy and doing your threading, which you help pioneer, which I forced you to do live in front of a huge audience <laughs> at the first in Goop Health, which was still the highlight. Those stacking treatments, as you call them. But you do eventually believe in a facelift, right? You know, as I think a lot of the the women who listen to the Goop podcast and men, you know, I think we are probably a group of friends, even though we all don't know each other personally, but we're a like-minded group of people who I think are interested in kind of aging as best we can. A lot of us who are in our 50s, I think are, and and those of us who are thinking about when we get to our 50s and what can we do today and, you know, at age 32 or like we want to be ourselves. We want to live long and healthy and we want to look great. And by the way, as you know, like I don't judge anybody. Everybody should do exactly what makes them happy. You know, I I, I do think if you want to do stuff that's, you know, more power to you. And if you want to age like a fabulous French actress who never, you know, or grandmother who never does anything <laughs> great. I think most of us are probably somewhere in the middle. So what do we start to do in our, even in our twenties and then into our thirties to kind of preserve the longevity of our skin, the vitality of our skin as it relates to health? Like, do you also believe in a sort of a lifestyle nutritional component? Yeah. It's no secret that I'm also, I'm like-minded with kind of how you look at, at this subject. For me, the highlights would be, I do think in the in the twenties, for sure, that is the low hanging fruit time to do good skincare. You know, my boys, I hound my on them. <laughs> I hound on them to do basic skincare of a cleanser that exfoliates to try to use products that, that help to balance the natural kind of changes and both hormonal balance and so on. The obvious thing of hydration. I mean, one of the biggest things that people who are young kind of stress the skin because the skin is it's it really our biggest organ is mm -hmm. just hydration, drinking enough water and so on. I think that from the standpoint of the big, big picture and taking advantage of where we are technologically today versus when I was in training, you know, more than 25 years ago is the idea that you don't wait until things are broken down so badly that you feel like you have to do surgery. Right. But really, I think plastic surgery slash dermatology, cosmetic dermatology have up until recently largely been more of a, you see the problem, you fix it. Instead of what the rest of medicine is doing, and ultimately what I've been moved to do, is think more preventatively. So one of the things that appealed to me about doing threading, because to be completely transparent, when threading was being introduced to me as something that the, the main manufacturer wanted to launch in the US about eight years ago, I said, no, I said, I, I said, surgery is the gold standard. I'm not really interested in the threading idea and so on. But ultimately, when I really started to think about, okay, well, what about somebody who is younger, where doing a facelift is too much. 
what about for them? And could this be the tool that could help to slow the outward signs of aging and actually give a bridge where somebody who otherwise maybe would have pursued a facelift at 45 or 50, can we push them out to 60, 65? What is a thread lift for for those of us who... So a thread lift is basically using a... It's a fully absorbable surgical grade stitch material that has little anchors on it. It's passed non-surgically. There's no cutting. It's just a needle point of access similar to what you do with a filler placement. But this thread is woven under the skin. It's painlessly done once a little bit of local anesthesia is put in. The person's totally awake for it and it goes under the skin in a kind of in a structural way to lift the skin up and let you know, kind of much like a mini facelift would do. It works best in somebody who has very early signs of like sagging. If somebody has a lot of sagging, it's not going to do the, the, the job or it would only do part of it. So, but, but conceptually using that as, as an approach for me, that that really started down the path for my journey as a plastic surgeon of, well, what can we do to prevent? And so the way I look at fillers, the way I look at at things like Botox, the way I I think about lasers, all of these things are really into, I put them in, in one of two categories, one being preventative versus truly therapeutic. So if somebody has gotten to the point where you say, look, I really don't want to do fillers. I don't want to do Botox. I'd rather wait until I get to the point where I see something I don't like, and then I do surgery. And I have those patients. And so I have an example of that. A woman, very nice woman I've known. I take care of her daughter. She waited until she was 66. And just at 50, I did her eyes. So she had heavy eyes. I did her eyes. She said, I'm not really interested in the other stuff. And then she waited until she was 66. And then she said, okay, I'm ready to do a facelift. In that case, that that's a model that's tried and true and it works. But like for this person's, you know, offspring, they're wanting to do it a little differently. They're saying, well, how maybe I want to push off a facelift until I'm 70, 75 as an idea. You know, what are the things that I can do to to go that direction? And so I think doing conservative replacement, conservatively lifting and addressing things certainly in the in the 30s, I think is a sweet spot to really get in there and think about, you know, and that's why I applaud what you've done with your goop, you know, goop jeans line as is kind of thinking about things from the outside in. And then of course, balancing, you know, nutrition, lifestyle, exercise, all those things. Do you talk about that as well? And from a nutritional aspect with patients? We do. And a matter of fact, what we are embarking on right now is, and, and I've been working through it over the last year or so, is is actually really an integrative medical approach to this. So having a nutritional lifestyle slash component mixed mm. in with what we're doing, doing IV therapy, for example, to enhance the results of some of these external treatments. You're going to hear a lot more about that. You know, at the end of the day, I'm a scientist also. So a lot of these things have been done and done very well. And I think, you know, certainly in New York and California, there's some very well-known outlets for this stuff. But up to now, it really has not been studied. Okay, so if you're doing an IV drip of like a glutathione, for example, how could that help enhance 
a Botox treatment or how could that help enhance a hydrofacial treatment, hydrofacial being a microdermabrasion treatment, or how is it going to enhance some other minor surgical procedure like having an eyelid lift? And so these are real questions that I've had. And really the reason, you know, kind of the question I've had over the years, you know, of how, you know, I've done over 8,000 eye lifts. How is it that somebody can kind of go into it and have almost no bruising, no swelling, look like in a week, like almost nothing was done. And then I could have someone who had just as easy a surgery and they look like I hit them with the bat. Like, how is it? Why is that the case? Like, you know, and so you you start to look at it. And so I've, over the years, I've started to dig into, okay, well, what do you do? What is your lifestyle? What is it? And I've learned things from patients. I would advise everyone to start to look into and research nutritionally what can be done to augment or enhance an outcome. And mm. and that's certainly what we do. So that that's a huge part of it. And are doing eye lifts, is that like your specialty? I love eyes. I'm a sucker for eyes. I've always <laughs> loved, loved. I just, I think it's, it's just and one of the prettiest features for a woman, one of the most, you know, dramatic features for, for a man in terms of conveying confidence. I've always thought was the eyes. I wanted to initially in medical school become an ophthalmologist, but then I got snagged or snared by the, the surgical bug. So then I went the surgical route and then ultimately did a fellowship in, in oculoplastic. So that's, yeah. So eyes are, that has been my thing. I've contributed chapters to the encyclopedias in plastic surgery. And I've written probably over, over 20 published papers on the subject. So yeah, I, this is, this is a super specialty. I developed some operations around it. I'm not trying to pound on my chest, but it, the eyes I've thought an awful lot about mm-hmm. and kind of just the mechanics and how to allow them to look their best and most natural. And it seems like they're sort of the first to go. Like you hear a lot, oh, I did my eyes first and then I waited 10 years to do anything else. I've only done my eyes. Is there anything non-surgical that works for eyes or not really? Absolutely. I think we kind of touched on this a little bit when, when I last saw you in person. I started thinking about fillers, for example, in in people of color, primarily because the risk is is higher for things like scarring with surgery. And so really using filler in the under eye, for example, in the right person, very small amounts can be a hugely powerful tool to make, you know, kind of dark circles look like they're better or going away. What the hell? Why did you never pull me aside on that? Because you don't have any dark circles, you know, <laughs> I, I, you got to have the problem to, to, to actually talk about it, but, you know, and, and so, you know, that's a great thing. I mean, doing something to improve the appearance of skin up until probably five or 10 years ago, you would never think of lasering the upper eyelid skin, but that is a great way to help tighten up or make the upper eyelid skin look less crepey without cutting using about Xeomin, for example, a form of Botox, you you can use that to actually lift the eyelid and the brow and again. So there there are different things technically mm-hmm. that can definitely buy time. And what I'd advise anybody, especially if they start, because you're right, that's like the area you start to see go first. Yeah. And most people is prevention first to push off surgery. I want to talk about our 
our peptide serum that we created together, <laughs> <laughs> which is so exciting. So, well, the reason why we wanted to create this together, well, I know why I wanted to create it with you because you're a, a above everything, a great friend, but be one of the most respected plastic surgeons in the country. And again, we have this alignment around skin health, keeping the skin great. And it was, it's such an honor that you were able to do this with us. Why did you want to do this with us? <laughs> well, I, the, the starting points were, were very much so for me the same. I, I've always thought that you are a frustrated doctor, Let, <laughs> actually a frustrated surgeon, not even, not just a doctor, a frustrated surgeon, plastic surgeon. And we've had <laughs> conversations where, and I say this all the time, I teach, I've, I've taught lots of students, residents, and other doctors. You ask questions like like a colleague would. And so, you know, besides just being a dear friend, I, I realized that you would be able to, and through your your team, to be open to different ideas of how to come up with something that is is clean but yet effective and that you'd be willing to allow me to subject it to clinical study. And I think there are lots of brands out there that would not necessarily want to undergo the scrutiny of a controlled clinical study because you you don't know what's going to happen. And so we were tracking the results on a regular basis and, 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 and in the process, and I'm going to step back, because really this started a couple of years ago. And when I yeah. talked to, you know, your Akshay, your, your chemist, I mean, we were brainstorming for ingredients. We were brainstorming for things that people often probably don't think about, like smell and so on. I think that coming up with something that would be really uniquely kind of dynamic and doing it with one of my dearest friends at the same time, that's like a dream. I mean, I couldn't ask for a happier thing because at the end of the day, that's it, it's it's just, it's a really beautiful thing. I just cannot believe how well it works. I've been using it now twice a day since I got my bottle. I mean, I do not need a face <laughs> <of> today. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I you never know what you're going to see with the study, but the results at a week, people were reporting to us because in the study we we had all the all the the people who volunteered for the study. And by the way, nobody was paid to do this. This was all voluntary. They recorded very in their, few people dropped out of the study, right? No, no they, one dropped out. No which one dropped that out. That is unheard of. It is unheard of. Any kind of study, you could have a study of three people, one of them is going to drop out. So, you know, we and we had many more than that. So I think you know, that that was a a testament to the product. And we even had a question in the diary, which a percent said it was easy to use. Over 90% said they would recommend it to their friend or family member. But I think at the at at the end of the day, what surprised me the most is that people were reporting across the board, and we saw this in our graphics, one week it took to start to see signs of improvement. So it just, it, yeah, it's an amazing, amazing concoction. So, and, and what I loved seeing in the before and afters in the study was the diversity of the patient's skin tones, genders, 
different, you know, sort of quote problem areas, whether it was rosacea or pore size, even even fine lines, like I could see the improvement in these photographs, like of the studies. It was so amazing to see. Were you surprised? I was very surprised. There were older people in the study as well. We had individuals in their late 60s in the study. And everyone, the data that we're talking about includes everyone. And mm-hmm. so, yes, we we did pull some before and afters because we wanted to show diversity. I personally, as a person of color, I think so much of what is shown in the cosmetic space prior to you, you do this more with your, with your, with the goop site, but lots of other outside entities, they do not show diversity. So mm-hmm. yes, I wanted to show people of color because this is something for everyone, not just somebody who has fair skin. Mm-hmm. I think the other part is that we wanted to, you know, we wanted to show and this study included men and women and we had diverse ages. So, I mean, this was probably the most mixed diverse study that you could hope to get. So cool. Why does it work so well? I think that the the combination of the coals and the peptides, the way that they kind of, if you will, coalesce into kind of this balanced effect, each, each component of the given peptide is designed to target kind of a different, a different issue, if you will. So you know, having, you know, for example, astaxanthin, which is a peptide botanical that is for the skin to maintain its moisture and elasticity, that's that's a powerful thing. Or having a ceramide, for example, or series of ceramides that can help keep moisture in, because we talked about moisture earlier. I, I just, I think it's the combination of all these things firing at once that makes the difference. But the other thing, and, and, you know, you talked about stacking because I had a patient ask yesterday, well, how should I use this? Or how would you recommend I use this right now? I'm using, you know, a clean retinol. And then I use the vitamin C during the day. And I said, well, it, it, it's additive. You can, you can actually, there's not an issue at all. I mean, we didn't study that per se, but there's absolutely zero reason why you couldn't add it in. And actually, I think the advantage, especially at nighttime, because nighttime is the best time to apply a serum, even though this is meant to be morning and night, is is the fact that that's when the skin undergoes its greatest effort to repair itself. Mm. So, you know, when we sleep, we're not only allowing for recuperation and recovery on on a mental level and also a physiologic level, but our skin actually is doing that too. So I I think having that with, for example, a clean retinol, making sure to during the day have a sunscreen because you want to protect against the sun, even though this has some sun protective properties in it, which is why you want to use it during the day. It, it It's just the more, the more, the better. And at the same time, it doesn't mean that you have to use 20 things, but I think using the kind of a strategic combination, it, it's powerful. So, okay, so peptide serum, yes, vitamin C of some kind, vitamin C serum, a retinol. So these are all three things you recommend at various points in the day. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's an easy thing to do. It's it, it's a fast approach. And what do you do? What's your... What's my... Yeah, 
I, I do. I have my the nurse in my office will sprinkle okay. a little a little bit of dysportosium in and in the frown area. Just enough. I can still move it or frown, but enough to soften it so I don't have a chronic like a scowl on my on my face. I love <laughs> I love doing hydrofacials. I try to do those every other month to every three months. Those are in the uh, office, right? That's like, that those machine. are in, that's in the yeah. office. It's like a, think of it like a vacuum cleaner for your face. It just feels good, but it does, it does look good. Like I come home and, and Miles or Max will say, Ooh, you're, you get your, your, your face is, is glowing. <laughs> and so, but I love, I love that. And then the skincare, you know, I kind of how we came to this is I've been in the skincare world or business for the last decade. And we, yeah. I, the lab that, that, that I have under me, you know, we've done a lot of research and development. And again, it was a huge honor to have our product in on the Goop site as a clean product. And now we've had, we have, a, we have several. 4A brand? The, F4, the F4A brand, exactly. Oh, good. I just bought your retinol actually, because we don't have one. Well, I, I think you'll love it putting them together. How young is too young for like a Xeomin, a filler? If somebody comes into your office, like, do you have a. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 and this happened. I mean, I had somebody come in at 20, they just turned 20. They didn't have a line on them. They barely could make a line if they wanted. I said, it's too early. Come back to see me in five or six years and then we can look. And if there's something that is starting to happen, then you can look at it. I do get credit for coming up with the idea of what's called prejuvenation, which is where all this came from, is the idea that if you stop the frown line before it happens, then it doesn't tend to form. So there is an advantage to, especially if somebody genetically, because things like uh, and a lot of people may not realize realize this, but things like frown lines or heavy lines, they do, there is a genetic component. So if you know, for example, your mother had, you know, when she was 25, a deep frown line in her forehead or something like that, then coming in at 22 or, you know, in that zone to have something to potentially ward that off is a smart thing. And you know we're super conservative. If you do things in a conservative way, they there's a place for it. Culturally, do you think because we see in the media, social media, you know, there are some very, very successful, wonderful, popular people who've done quite a lot to their face and and have created sort of a template, right, for kind of what that version of beauty is. And it's it's pretty pervasive. I guess what I'm asking is, do you perceive that there is a an aesthetic shift in culture? Are people coming in and asking for this sort of particular right. look? There, there was, and I think especially during COVID, there was a significant shift in what I call the filter face, a major shift. And towards, really what you're towards a filter yeah, face. Towards towards a filter face. And and I think it, it, it there are multiple reasons for that, which I don't I won't eat up our time trying to dig into. But yes, I do think there was a cultural shift to a perfect looking face where you had women who and men 
on social media who were aspiring to a perfect norm, which was universal, which was very stylized, very gender kind of fluid. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, our skin was designed to protect us from the outside world. And in terms of interaction to move with the aid of the muscles under it, that's it. So to pull things or do things, accentuate things in a way that I can, I would say is kind of, we would use the term super physiologic or unnatural going beyond what is the natural zones of the body or the face, it's going to create problems. It's just like if, you know, for somebody who says, I want to have you know, a thousand CC breast implants when they're like a hundred pounds, it's not going to work. There are going to be problems with it. And so I think that the, the bottom line is now we're seeing a shift kind of away from it. Now, the other thing, if you push the tissue too hard, you actually age the tissue. It's like the analogy is like a pregnant abdomen. If you have a woman who has had 20 20 kids, that that abdomen is going to be destroyed. And so the same is true if you have somebody who has their cheeks overfilled time after time after time, when they get tired of it, and they let it start to wear off, it's going to look really bad. So to me, it, the, the design, and I helped run the Juvederm uh, Voluma trial, and it was very involved in the development of that filler product. The goal and the purpose of that study and what we did was purely related to replacement, not dramatic, stylized overfilling. And so that's, that's you know, just one example. Right. Are there cool things coming down the pike in your field that you're excited about? I feel like these these things sort of sweep through. I wonder if there's anything coming that you think is interesting. You know, that the big thing that I was I was very excited about and then COVID kind of happened was kind of along the lines of skin tightening. I think the holy grail of all things related to cosmetic medicine is coming up with a good non-surgical skin tightener. At the present time, that technology is limited in my opinion. And I think really where we are going to be headed is down the line of using internal augmentation, meaning giving somebody something through an IV and then delivering an external treatment that oh, then wow. creates a, that creates a synergy. That, I'm in, I I'm in, I'll be your guinea pig. <laughs> so that, that to me, because it, because the skin laxity issue is such a challenging problem Like I had a conversation with somebody this morning who wanted, who's older, who wants, she doesn't like her wrinkled skin. She's in great shape, lives great, you know, all the things that are ideal for wellness and beauty. And, you know, she was contemplating having a tummy tuck at a later age. And I said, well, you know, that's a big undertaking. Maybe you think about something else. And so to me, I think having a non-surgical approach for the skin tightening, that will be forthcoming. I had heard some inklings of some things and then COVID happened. So I'm hopeful to see those those come back to life and then for us to kind of start to investigate. But the way this all this stuff works, Gwyneth, is it, it takes years to like 
do the proof of concept, just like for our, our deal, you know, I hope to have access to something in the, in the new year as a, as a prototype. And then, you know, it's a couple of years in the making. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. I've tried a couple lasers a couple of times and haven't really seen any major improvement, but you think that there's going to be some advancement there. I definitely do. And I don't think it's going to be in the form of putting a needle in and putting energy through. Right. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I can't wait to hear more about that. <laughs> That'll be the secret sauce. That'll yeah. be the secret sauce. So what about you? I'm going to ask, I get, am I allowed to ask you a question? If you'd like. <laughs> so for you, like what... I mean, you're a curious mind. Yeah, I mean, you have an active, curious mind. How or when did you become so curious? When did you decide, I'm going to dig in really deep and try to kind of air out things in the beauty space? I remember having a moment when Apple was a baby and I was changing her diaper and someone had given me a very expensive like baby lotion And I was putting it on her and the smell was so strong. And I just was sort of struck all of a sudden by curiosity around why does this smell like it does? Why is this smell so strong? Is this a synthetic fragrance? Is it, is it safe to put on my baby? Like, and this is a, you know, long time ago. So she's 19 now. So the clean beauty conversation was not happening at all. And I think that's when I started researching a- around synthetic fragrances and how they can really disrupt your endocrine system. And it sort of put me down the beginning of like a long process around trying to understand clean beauty. And then one of our first hires at Goop, an amazing woman named Blair, who Blair Lawson, who I'm still very close with, she was obsessed with clean beauty, but really knew her shit and gave me this incredible education around, you know, cause I was completely bamboozled by all the greenwashing. If it said like green or natural, I was like, <laughs> oh, it must be safe. And she was like, this is all bullshit. And, and then I started to get really angry when I saw how many women were having fertility issues and you know, how there are all kinds of chronic health issues that have gone up and to the right since we've introduced a lot of this stuff. And, and, and of course there hadn't been legislation regulating the beauty industry. There finally just was. And so I thought, well, what's going to need to happen is, you know, people should be able to know this stuff and make decisions for themselves. And in the meantime, I would like to make product that is safe by our standards and kind of start to change the conversation. So that was sort of the multi-pronged approach and, and, and long path to get where we are today. And also, you know, having made friends with people like you along the way, who are scientists and educators and being able to ask questions and really get into stuff. And it's, you know, I mean, you know me because you know me, but you know how curious I genuinely am. I always want to learn and I want to learn something every day and I want to, you know, deepen whatever knowledge I have. So, you know, I thank you for being one of my teachers and mentors in the beauty space. And, you know, you're, you're, you're such a great teacher. 
Well, it goes both ways. And, that, and that's why I asked, because back when I was kind of figuring out the whole thread lifting concept, and you're right, we did it in, in your first summit. But, but you, you, I never fully probably gave the, the, the proper credit to you, but you asked such thought provoking questions that made me really have to think about what and why I was doing what I was doing. And I do think conceptually it made kind of that technique better. So I didn't put your name on the papers I've written about it, but I probably should, but I should, (laughs) (laughs) but I have to, you know, so it's, it goes both ways. It's like curiosity is curiosity. And most people don't realize that most things in, in science and in medicine have come from curiosity. And, and so this is no, this is no different. Well, I thank you so much, so deeply for your friendship, for this incredible collaboration on our peptide serum, for you just being such an amazing thinker and listener. And thank you so much for joining the podcast. Gwyneth, I adore you. Thank you for letting me be part of this and uh, couldn't be prouder of you. Thanks for listening to today's conversation with Dr. Julius Few. Our new Youth Boost Peptide Serum is available on goop.com. I've been using it twice a day, by the way, and it is so good. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. I hope you'll listen, follow, rate, and review all of our episodes, which are available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts.